Welcome everyone. I had the privilege of chatting with singer-songwriter Chloe Esther this week, where I learned all about her new EP, Dying All the Time, as well as her life in Charlottesville working at Planned Parenthood and more. Thanks for joining us and welcome to Beaming. Today we have a very special episode because I am interviewing not only a musician, an activist, but also someone that I have just been connected with, just met, which as you may know, if you listen to the podcast is a little unique because usually I'm interviewing the people around me and my good friends and colleagues, but I'm so excited to get to know Chloe Esther today. Welcome to the show, Chloe. Thanks for having me. I met Chloe slash was connected with Chloe through um, our good friend, Juliet, who has been friends with your family for a long time, right? Yeah, like 10 years, I think. Oh, yeah, just just casually 10 years. <laughs> so she introduced me to your music and then told me about your work and um, that you're located right in Charlottesville, right near us. And it's so nice to get to talk to a local musician. And I will let you introduce yourself because obviously I'm still learning about you. Would you want to take a moment to just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're up to in the world right now. Yeah, so I'm Chloe Esther, as you said, from Charlottesville, Virginia, born and raised here. I am a singer-songwriter. I've um, only just released my first professionally recorded stuff, but I've been writing probably for like 12 years now. I also consider myself to be a poet and yeah, an activist, a healthcare worker, friend, partner, all good things. Wow, that's amazing. Good introduction. You have a lot going on and we're going to dive into a few of the different things you mentioned. You said you've been writing for 12 years or I mean, that's a long time. So I guess that brings me to kind of growing up. Did you always know you wanted to write music or write in general or how did that begin? Yeah, I think that I was always drawn to music. Um, My sister and I went to a type of school called Waldorf School growing up, which is um, sort of like an art-based education. So you learn a lot of stuff through song. Like I still sing my times tables. You learn things through visual art and you start to play an instrument in kindergarten. So I was very connected to music like early on and I wrote like little jingles starting when I was probably like nine or 10. (laughs) There's one that's very famous in my family about um tyson's corner which is like a shopping a shopping center oh yeah and the jingle yeah the jingle goes tyson's corner leesburg you get stuff we get money Uh. and that's like a famous (laughs) jingle in my family i just like randomly was in the back of our car and i was like i have a jingle guys so yeah it sort of started as little funny like jingles that of course i still make up all the time but then i got my hands on a guitar when i was like 11 or 12 
and began sort of like plunking out some semblance of a song and wrote a lot of really, really, really terrible music when I was like 12 to 15 and then started to sort of solidify some of my musical inspirations and started to write a little more seriously. I don't think I always knew I wanted to, but it always sort of made sense. I wrote poetry from a young age. Everyone in my family writes to some capacity, books, articles, Mm -hmm. short stories. So it kind of, it was not a surprise, I don't think, when it became like a passion of mine. I love that jingle. I feel like, I mean, you know, Juliet, I'm like her in that we just sing little things all the time. (laughs) Constantly. I make up songs about like my socks or like what my favorite fork or something like that, like constantly. (laughs) And you never know when it's going to stick and become your next single. (laughs) Yeah. I'll be looking out for that fork song. And maybe you should get that Tyson's Corner song trademarked because... I might need to. They're a big situation now. Have you been up there recently? There's like two different malls now. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they could use it if nothing else. You know, they might want to buy it. It's so good. I know. I'm saying you could you could make a nice penny off of that. You'd go far. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So then you went to that school when you were the Waldorf, you said? Yeah, it's a schooling system. It was founded by this like German socio-philosopher in like the 40s, I think. And it's like a schooling system that exists all over the world. It's similar to Montessori. It's sort of like more though okay like a little more like hippie you have to like sign a contract saying you won't like show your kids too much tv and it's very granola crunchy but i i loved it i went there from pre-k through fourth grade but it was extremely formative for me in the way i think i see the world and the way i learn things and yeah it's just a really great like educational template i think That's so interesting. I have never heard of, I've heard of Montessori. That's interesting. I'm going to learn more about that. You went to that school and you're in Charlottesville. Did you move on to study in college and how did, where did you go for college and your kind of further studies? So after, so that, yeah, that was in Charlottesville. Then I briefly lived in Stanton and went to Stuart Hall, which is where I met Juliet. Okay. Um, Okay. I was like, where did they meet? Because I am not connected. Yeah. She's in my sis. She's in my sister's grade. So they were friends. And then her mom was my French teacher. Okay. Um, Oh, right. And then I went to UVA um, for college and I graduated in 2018. I studied women, gender, sexuality studies, um, I was sort of like softly pre-med. I didn't end up doing all of the pre-med courses, but I was like had a sort of health sciences additional focus. And then I did some work in the creative writing and poetry department as well. Was sort of going to try for a minor, but um, I don't think they actually offered a creative writing minor. And so I just took a bunch of classes in one department for myself. But um, that was sort of the general focus of my um, schooling. Yeah, that's the way to do it. I feel like, I mean, get the minor if it's there. Like I got a dance minor, but really I just wanted like a dance class each semester yeah (laughs) and you check off the boxes and you're like okay this is great I get a little dance in and it's a minor but yeah definitely taking the classes that get you working creatively and doing what what you're passionate about is awesome yeah so did you ever think that you wanted to release music was music just a hobby your whole life or how did you kind of we'll get into the EP that you put out earlier this year but kind of how did that come to be and how did you realize it was time to do that I think I've always had the like I want to be a like famous musician sort of dream as I think a lot of people have Mm -hmm. sort of similar like 
wanting to be a renowned creative um, is just such a cool concept. And I think there was always sort of that fantasy, if you will. I don't think I ever expect or have expected myself to like, you know, skyrocket in the charts or like make it if you will. But I have always like loved the idea of being able to release music because it's just such a nice way to like immortalize a certain part of your work where you are when you're recording it, like your inspirations at that time, the inspirations of like your age group. Like it's just, it's like, I think it's so cool to have a catalog to be able to listen back to of things you record in your twenties, thirties, forties, teens. It's just very, a very cool concept. And I also don't have a band or haven't had a band in the past. So being able to record and like bring in other artists in order to create that sort of like full band texture um, was something that I wouldn't have probably been able to do if I hadn't released. Yeah, I I think I always knew I wanted to create more like permanent music, but it's also always been like a hobby and a passion first. You know, I've never done music full time or been like a professional musician or anything like that. All the gigs I've done have been for very little money and basically just because I love playing music. So it's it's something that I, I am very happy that I've been able to do, but I don't do it necessarily for the rich and famous musician fantasy anymore that's still like a of course something I daydream about it's more just the ability to like yeah immortalize yourself at a certain stage I think yeah as an actor I definitely feel like for artists of all different varieties you do it because you love it first and then if you get to share it with a lot of people then that's amazing. And it's amazing that you have started with this EP. um, But you can tell that, you know, when you love something, it comes through in your music. So um, I definitely hear that. And Dying All the Time is such a fabulous, fabulous EP. Um, I was just listening to it today. It's your voice is beautiful. It's also very (laughs) unique. And just, I don't know how I'm, I should have thought about how I'm going to describe this before <laughs> blabbering on, but it's just so smooth. And we're, we obviously played a clip, but these songs, the lyrics are gorgeous. So what does the songwriting process look like for you? Do you think of the name first? Do you think of the idea first? Do the, does the music come first or how does that work? It varies to an extent. The titles of the songs actually usually come last. And like these titles, I finally decided on like the week I released them. So it oh, was wow. like those Yeah, titles are hard for me. But I think as as like a poet and as someone who's has like a fierce obsession with words, I think it usually starts with either a line I've been that's sort of been like bouncing around in my head or something I've written down passively or a melody because guitar is like my primary instrument, but I definitely consider myself like a singer first. And I've been, you know, babbling my little song since I was a wee lass. So mm-hmm. I um I think it almost always starts with like vocal stuff and I am extremely lyric based. So usually it's, that's the thing I'm focusing on a lot, like the lyrics and the vocal melodies and sort of guitar as like an accompaniment more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, Pretty much all my music has been inspired by something very personal. Like I don't tend to write about great big concepts. I like to sort of write about, sort of write introspectively about very specific personal things because that's the type of music I like to listen to. So just trying to, yeah, be, I mean, I think it's pretty clear from my music that I like, like to tell stories and like to sort of obsess over things and meditate over things. So it usually starts as trying to figure out a way to say what I'm feeling or to like talk about something that happened without being too morose. But yeah, the process varies a little bit, but it's almost always yeah vocal or lyrical at the start. 
Okay. And when you wrote these songs, were you thinking, I want to put these songs out there? Or was it just, again, your passion coming through and writing for you and then realizing that they could be complete songs to be put out? Yeah, I've always been constantly writing. So while yes, the goal is usually to eventually produce them and make them into sort of cohesive pieces, I'm constantly just writing because I want to write music and I feel compelled to. Mm -hmm. This actually started as a full length album um, and we cut it to an EP when COVID hit because we weren't sure when we'd be able to finish it and what it was even going to look like at this point, how many instruments we could get on it and things like that. So it started out as a larger body of work and cutting it down, um, I think made a lot of sense in a lot of ways because these songs sort of go together, tell sort of a complete narrative or at least allude to one. And I think I wasn't necessarily thinking about that when I was writing, but I tend to write a lot of songs about one thing a lot of the time. Like I have like 50 songs about just like one relationship that I couldn't get over for a long time and definitely wouldn't release all of them. A lot of them are a little bit more like, I'm so pathetic, I need to talk about how sad I am to a like not interesting extent. But I think it's important to have a sort of large volume of iterations of the same idea because then you can sort of get to the core of what the idea is through narrowing those down. Not really thinking about producing or releasing them as I'm writing them, but once they're finished, I do sort of try to piece them together with other songs. Like what would a track list look like? What would production themes look like for this? Um, usually something that's in the back of my mind. Right. And you mentioned the different musicians that you got to work with. How does that process work of finding those people to collaborate with, knowing absolutely nothing about music production or anything? What does it look like to take a step in in that direction and, and bring everyone together? I obviously can't speak for all musicians, and I'm not sure what the process is like when you are more established and you have more resources. But um, for me, a lot of it it was, I just am very privileged to have a lot of very talented friends. <laughs> yeah. And Charlottesville is a very musician dense town. So most of it was just um, working with Jacob Samario, who is the engineer on the record and was my co-producer. We produced it together, sort of utilizing our mutual resources, like which friends do we have that could do what? Some parts that we weren't able to finalize for the record because we just someone might have lived too far away or like with COVID, we weren't able to get remote recordings or something like that. Most of it was, yeah, just having friends who know how to do a lot of cool stuff. And I knew as far as like the drums go, my partner Garrett, I've known him for a couple of years and I asked him to drum on the record like two years ago before we'd even started. I was like, I love the way you drum. Will you please drum on my record? And by the time the record actually got to drumming stage, we were like, we had started dating. And so it was like way easier. Yeah. It was a very lovely little happening, but um, most of the instruments on the record are actually me and Jacob. And then we have Garrett and then a couple other friends who like popped by for like a small session work. But most of it was just the three of us getting as creative as possible. That's great. Working with people you know and friends is the way to do it. It makes everything feel so much more personal and exciting that you get to do it together. So that's very exciting. And you released your music, was it this summer? It was actually October. Oh my God. You're right. I know. It feels like it was months and months ago. (laughs) It was, we released the first two singles in early October and the record came out on the 30th. Okay. So what did that feel like? It was 
it's hard. It's hard to say this is finished. Mm-hmm. Like, especially we worked on it for a year and a half and it was like, just so hard to be like, okay, it's really done. There's nothing else we can add. And then just kind of nerve wracking and, and very different to other like releases I've experienced through my friends, because usually it's like, you have a big release show and a lot of people come, you have physical copies of the record to sell. Right. There's much more of like a, a moment that you experience. It was kind of weird to just be like, like make a post on Instagram and be like, Hey, my records out go listen to it yeah and was kind of unsure how that would pan out but it it went really well um I think the saddest part was just not being able to play it live um immediately but we have like a live stream show that we're doing at the end of this month actually but yeah I'm excited for that but it was really nice to have something that was finished and something to work on during the pandemic because nothing else to do and it's nice to have something to sort of mark time with yeah it felt really nice to get it out when we did and it was nice to do it around halloween because it sort of got some spooky themes oh good but yeah i'm I'm happy with the way that the release turned out for sure good it's gonna be so exciting when you get to play it for people and get it out there yeah. and maybe in the spring when we have warmer weather you can do some outdoor concerts or something yeah, that's the plan i love that i love that i will come and sit outside and sip some wine yeah. and <laughs> Or beer. I don't know which matches your album better, beer or wine. I feel like liquor, honestly. But um (laughs) whatever whatever makes you happy. Yeah. (laughs) Every time Um, I talk about wanting to die, take a shot. Oh gosh. We're gonna have to walk home. You Um, would get drunk, yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's great. Well, I'm I'm so happy that I mean quarantine changed a lot of things for people, but I'm I'm glad that you got to release at least some of what you were planning to release. And now you have just more time to explore the other pieces, right? That you're yeah, going to put on your time. album. Do you have a favorite on the EP? I know that's like so stupid to ask because obviously. No, I do. It's, it's fluctuated throughout the process. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have, I have two favorites. Um, Something good is my favorite because it's such a bop. It's just so dense and there's so many synths and there's, it's just like an eighties vibe and it's like dance and sort of uplifting but also I'm like really questioning like the trauma I've experienced from past relationships in it so it's just I really like the juxtaposition of the lyrics to the music and the general vibe is just very I think surprising for my like typical lyrical tone so I love how that turned out but I think my favorite favorite is ending because the build of that song is so cool and I love the lyrics they tell like a very important story and I love like how it sort of reaches this like apex and then the ending just sort of like explodes into this like sort of arrhythmic like weird vocal ascensions and dissensions and then this like main steady vocal line and this confusing guitar like it's just a really cool tone and I think that song lyrically holds like a lot of the core of the EP. And I like that Mm. it's first and it sort of packs a punch and then you move on to this like upbeat pop song right after, which is is just a cool juxtaposition again. But yeah, that's definitely my favorite. And it's the one I put the most, or the one I guess I was most particular about. I was very specific with a lot of the um, like instrumentation and vocal work. So I'm very, very pleased with how that one turned out. Those are my favorites too. If I if I had to pick, if I had to pick. I mean, I'm not really one to, to talk because I probably listen to, to very similar music on all my playlists, but um, I do really appreciate how different each of the songs are. I then proceeded to ask Chloe what her everyday life looks like. She was telling us about her job at Planned Parenthood and what some of her daily tasks look like there. I'm so sorry for this awkward transition. The recording went out for just a minute, but here she is back answering this question. 
very routine medical office stuff. Um, most of my job is education and like consultation with patients. Yeah, just a lot of undoing terrible sex ed from people's like teen years or just like some sort of like repressed negative things that people have, have been taught and just like a lot of sex positivity and um, trying to, yeah, unlearn some of the shitty aspects of like the American education system. Um, and we recently started doing um, like trans healthcare as well. So um, like hormone provision and we have like some resources on surgical stuff and that's been really cool. So that's my main job. I also work at a climbing gym just like once a week, which is super cool. Um, and I, I cl- yeah, I climb there like a couple of times a week. So that's like an extremely chill job. I just basically like, I mean, I have tasks like talking to people and checking them in and stuff, but a lot of the time I can just like read a book or like write or something like that, which is nice. And cooking. I love to cook. I I love to clean bizarrely. So some of my stress relief is like deep cleaning my bathroom or like, Mm. I don't know, folding a ton of laundry. Right now it's trying to beat the like seasonal depression funk that's been settling in in the time of COVID. So just really trying to stay busy. Um, I have like the best partner in the entire world. Um, So a lot of like doing stuff with him. We've climbed together a lot, cooked together. Um, I think trying to find a purpose right now is can feel like a burden sometimes, but it's, I'm very definitely privileged in the ways that I like, or the like means of um, distraction that I have for sure. Yeah. I think through the pandemic and quarantine, it comes and goes like finding that sense of purpose. Like you say, some days is definitely harder than others. Yeah. Big time. And now that it's getting cold (sighs) um, and a little more dreary. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, it sounds like you're filling your days with a lot of interesting things. First of all, I'm making a bucket list. Okay. For 2021. Well, it's not for 2021. Mm -hmm. It's forever, but I want to make it before 2021. Sure. And like one of the main things that I've been like, oh yeah, definitely gonna put that on there is to go to a climbing gym regularly because that's like my dream. You should come here. It's so fun. (laughs) I will. I, I lived in Florida right before the pandemic and there was a climbing gym, like right down the street. And like every day I was like, okay, gonna go gonna learn and sign up then the pandemic hit and I was like well okay there goes that dream but now that I know I will come visit you yeah (laughs) are you in Richmond now yeah okay there's also a great gym there peak experiences Garrett and I go there a lot so like I'd be more than happy to like meet you there sometime and like show you the the literal ropes or the um, oh the metaphorical ropes if you want to do non-rope climbing. But yeah, that, it's uh, super fun. That would be amazing. Maybe we can convince Juliet to give it a try. <laughs> I would love that so much. I haven't seen her in forever. That would be great. Um, I feel like that would be very funny because... I feel yes. like both of us are not. I don't think I've ever seen her do anything athletic. Honestly. <laughs> so that's like, <laughs> okay, well get this. We've started playing tennis, uh, which mm. might be sporty spices. That's advanced before you, before you even know it. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, the outfits with tennis are very important. So I'm like, I do really appreciate that about it. That's true. But it's been winter. So we can't like dress uh, like yeah. tennis people. <laughs> mm, that's upsetting. I love tennis. Watching tennis is like, Watching tennis is like a sport, honestly. Agreed. It's so good to have things to be excited about right now, too. Exactly. And we haven't had something like that to be super excited about for a while. So, you know, first thing tennis, then climbing. Who knows what's next? Yeah, you'll be like in the Olympics by next year. Basically, if there is an Olympics, honestly. <laughs> yeah, true. That's the only thing that would stop you, honestly, is if it didn't happen. Which I might, you know, use as <laughs> reason. Obviously. I would have been there if they were. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. So climbing, that's awesome. And then Planned Parenthood, that is so interesting. How did you get into that job or did you always know you wanted to work there? Or how did I, so I've always been into medicine. Um, I started volunteering at the rescue squad in Stanton in high school. So when I was 16 and ended up becoming an EMT and then a medic. Oh um, and worked, yeah. I was there for like four years, um, just shy of four years and super cool experience. Learned a ton. I've always known that I wanted to go into, into medicine um, in some respect, okay. but I thought med school at one point and then I was like, no, doesn't sound fun. So now I'm, I just interviewed for grad school last week. So possibly like nurse, nurse practitioners on the horizon. I think I was actually working at a coffee shop after college. I was planning to move to Austin in like two months and I was going to intern at a recording studio. Um, That was sort of my plan. Um, I have family who lives there. So I was planning to live there and possibly yeah, intern at a studio um, and learn more about recording. And my now friend, but then stranger, came into the coffee shop a lot. We sort of just were talking. We became good acquaintances. And she mentioned that she worked at Planned Parenthood and they were hiring. And she was like, do you have any medical experience? And I was like, do I have medical experience? Yes. <laughs> and then like, am I obsessed with reproductive rights and like sexual health? Yes, of course. So I applied and it, it just like seemed like a perfect fit. I mean, I've always been a very like sort of little social justice warrior kind of asshole since I was younger. Okay. Very, very like obsessed with sort of any, any like denial of rights I like am upset about, obviously. Yeah. So I've always just been like a Planned Parenthood stan and it just seemed like a job that made a lot of sense. And then I've really loved it and um, gotten to like sort of grow and like work into a new position there which has been cool and it's just super like important I think to be doing work that you feel is important whether that's like you know when I worked in a coffee shop I loved that I loved talking to people I loved like being part of people's mornings like that felt important and good for me and I loved it and this feels important for like different reasons and neither one is like better or more important it's just something that felt like a nice progression for me and yeah I think especially working in like a stigmatized environment is something that I really enjoy because I'm very good at talking to people um, and I'm good at not being embarrassed by anything. So um, I think I'm a, I can be a good resource for people and I really love that job. I don't know if I want to work at Planned Parenthood forever, but I, I am definitely interested in working in like reproductive healthcare in the future after school because it's just such necessary work. And I think it's important to have people who are passionate about it in that environment. That's one of those stories where you're, you kind of know you're where you're supposed to be because of how like randomly it popped into your sphere. And when you do the education, various education aspects of your job, do you go to groups or do you bring people in or is it kind of just like one-on-one training and and education? Yeah. So the education aspect of it is literally just like patient education. So it is, yeah, it's like a medical office. So it's just like, Patients who come in and are like, hey, I like want pregnancy protection, but like, I don't know what I want. So I like talk to them about all the different things you can do in order to prevent pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And or if someone's like, I have this weird thing on my penis and I don't know what it is, like talk to me about STIs and I can like Mm -hmm. talk to them about STIs. And then with abortion education, that's just sort of like talking people through what procedures will look like, what they would feel like for people who haven't had abortions before or for people who have like just sort of explaining how it might be different here if they've been elsewhere, sort of just like talking people through the process like you would any medical 
procedure, like an IUD insertion. It's like a very similar type of education. I would love to work in outreach eventually. There is a position at Planned Parenthood that's like the community educator, Mm -hmm. but I would be potentially interested in in the future. Um, But I do really like the one-on-one aspect of patient care. I think that's a really great way to to talk to people in a sort of like personal environment where they can ask like any question, which is nice. And I really enjoy like helping to debunk myths people have held since they were like, you know, 10 or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's really nice to be able to be like, at least in this one interaction, I know this person is getting medically accurate information that like is helpful. And it's nice when you feel like there's so much misinformation of so much stuff all the time to at least have that sort of like micro impact of like on an individual level, helping people to understand their bodies and their choices more effectively. Right. That is so necessary. And it's just, it's mind blowing to like probably hear people say things that you're like, oh Oh my God. God." (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Big time. That's, I mean, that's a job that I guess must keep you on your toes and you're always learning, I'm sure, which is exciting. Yeah. And you're working with a great organization that you believe in and that brings help to so many people. So that's amazing. And your medical history is amazing too. I feel like I saw you're a Grays fan. Yeah. Oh, oh, (laughs) big time. I have watched that show all the way through like an embarrassing amount of times. It is so, so bad and so good. It's and I so love it. Good. I'm not caught up this season. I'm only through episode one, but I have seen a lot of spoilers cause I can't stay yeah. away. Um, I know so few people that watch it. It's quite annoying. I know it's weird. <laughs> well, why are we like just the chosen few these days? It's, it's so there was crazy. like a Grey's Anatomy trivia night in Charlottesville, and I went and there were like four people, and so and it's like the four people. It was like a bunch of random people in the bar, and then like four people who knew like every Grey's Anatomy fact to exist. <laughs> So it was kind of a weird vibe. The cool thing about Grey's is that, like, since it's been going on so long, too long probably, um, <laughs> like, you've gotten to see the, like, medical accuracy of the show progress a bit, which has been mm-hmm. nice. Um, wasn't great at first. Yeah. Um, but it's just, they know how to reel you in with their drama. And, yeah. And just when you think a character's gone, they come back, oh, which is great. <laughs> It's, uh, you have to have a strong heart for this show. I don't. So yeah. I cry. Maybe, oh, like, I cry in every, every single episode. episode. <laughs> yeah. Especially now. Cause there's like, everyone's old. And so anyone could die at any point, which is hard. I'm so done. Yeah. I started watching this episode and honestly it was really hard to watch because of, I mean, they're, they're, COVID is happening. And I just yeah. was like, I knew it was because I had read that they were doing that. But wow, to see like the characters that feel like your safe space, kind of like your yeah. TV, be like living in your world. I was maybe not ready for that. And I was sh- yeah. a little shocked. It was very jarring. It's it's cool that you actually have medical history, like you know about it more than probably the normal watcher because I'm one of those people who like, I had to go to the hospital, not me, but I was there with an ex a few years ago and I was walking around like, oh yeah, look at this gurney pushing yeah. like <laughs> code blue, like just being such an idiot, acting like I knew what was happening. Uh, I feel like I have learned a lot though. Yeah, okay? you definitely <laughs> learned some. 
And I mean, like, I don't, yeah, I mean, I am, I consider myself all of my friends, personal doctors. Okay. Like I do, I do like force them to come to me for medical needs constantly. <laughs> um, like I have the amount of things, like pictures that have been sent to me of like weird things on people's bodies. <laughs> I mean, I love it, but it is kind of strange. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. I definitely don't have like a doctor level amount of medical knowledge, but you don't really need that for grace because it's like, they just either oversimplify or like kind of misdiagnose stuff a lot. And so you like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's very fun to watch with even just a base, like, you know, like sort of my level of medical knowledge is pretty deep in like some very specific aspects, Yeah, but like pretty superficial of like other stuff, just sort of like emergency band-aid stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I love that show so much. Yeah. It's my dream to be a patient. All I want to be is a patient. Just in general? On Grey's. Oh, yes. Yeah. In general, I'd like to sign I'd like to be ill. <laughs> even more specific yeah um no if I oh, like it, as an actor as an actor uh, I literally that I my next logical progression <laughs> was that you just wanted to be like a patient of Meredith Gray's like conceptually but not as an actor that makes more sense kind of both but yeah no I want to like have something hit me like a bus or something yeah and Acting, acting like a bus hit me. Yeah. I do not want to. <laughs> Universe, yeah, take note. Did not call for <laughs> Yeah, no, I need to get on that show. I actually have a bunch of friends who have had their music be featured on Grey's Anatomy. Not a bunch of friends, like maybe three. But it's a, it's one of those shows just because there are so many episodes. It's like, mm-hmm. it's one that like the sort of sad indie stuff can get placed on more easily. I think... You might want to nudge your stuff over. Yeah, I should. I should send them my demo. Wait. We're like, it, it would work dying all the time. That is Grey's Anatomy. Everybody's leaving and everybody's dying. That's what she says, you know? That. Perfect. It should be the theme song. I mean, they should, this it should, should be. be the theme album. It should be. I, I mean, I agree. <laughs> We're on to something. Wow. Okay. Well, I guess we figured out your next calling. I. Yeah, can my bye career move? Bye climbing gym, bye Planned Parenthood. We have more important things to focus happening. on. <laughs> Getting on grays, both yes. of us. <laughs> See you there. So now we are going to do a little game of word association just to get to know Chloe a little bit more and really put her on the spot with some, some words here. Are you ready? I have never been more ready for anything in my life. Okay, here we go. Polaroid. Shake it. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. You're better at this than I thought. Um, great. Okay. Next is Daisy. Duke. Oh. <laughs> Why do I feel like these all have to do with the same thing? <laughs> um, okay. Next word. Highlighter. Ink. Okay. Sweet. Pride. And prejudice. <laughs> I love not handsome enough to tempt me. Okay, I love the uh how you kind of like make the word a complete thing. Daisy yeah. <laughs> Pride and prejudice. Okay. Two genders. Mirror. Mirror on the wall. Nice. Who's the fairest? Of them all. Of them all. Wasp. In the dream I have. <laughs> I was like, she's either gonna be like, you idiot, or okay. 
love that that's a nice i just found out i'm allergic to wasps by the way like in april i had the worst week of my life i got broken up with a week before my birthday i got pid which is pelvic inflammatory disease from my iud i had to take two weeks of antibiotics terrible and i got stung by a wasp and then my whole hip swelled up and um got very like hard to the touch it was like my 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 flesh was like not correct and um i found out i was like seriously allergic to wasps so if i get stung again i could go into anaphylaxis so So do you have to have an EpiPen now i'm supposed to but they're expensive and so i just have been avoiding wasps you know i had never been stung by one before and this happened because it was like on a counter and i leaned against the counter and it stung me like so that barely even counts it wasn't yeah it wasn't a voluntary sting it was it was forced so i think that i won't get i just simply won't get stung because if i do bad things will happen so i'll just will it away Right. Yeah. Focus on not getting stung, but still, that's also like, what does that mean that you I have? I think it's poetic. Song. <laughs> well, because the song's about my terrible toxic ex. So, like, I think it made sense that, like, a year later, I was like, and that song is sort of like romanticizing the relationship. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it was the universe was like, bitch, you Stop. thought. And, yeah. and they were like, you you can't be visiting those wasps again. So I think I think it was it felt like important and painful. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it was weird. I feel that I've held you here and I'm so happy that we got to chat today and talk about you and everything you're up to. I'm so excited that I've been introduced to you and your music because you are a joy to talk to. Where yeah. can people find you if they want to follow along with you and your music? So I think I'm most active just on Instagram, okay. which is just Chloe Esther, because that's just like sort of the easiest way to connect with people, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But also you can just like follow my um, like artist profile on Spotify. I was actually just in talks with my friend today. We, we produced a song together last year and I think I'm going to release it in like January or February. So new stuff coming soon. Very exciting. That's so exciting. Okay. We'll definitely follow along with you on that. Amazing. Well, thanks for being here, Chloe. We're so excited to follow along with your journey. Thanks for having me. It was great. Thank you so much for tuning in to Beaming this week. At the beginning of this episode, you heard a short clip from Something Good by Chloe Esther. Please go check out her music. You will not regret it. I hope you have a wonderful day. We'll see you next week with a new episode. Bye-bye.